As you remember, we're walking through a sermon series right now talking about witnessing. And so it's the third of four. And we're looking today at what it is to be a witness to others, a witness to those uh, who might be far away from us, a witness to those who might feel just some sort of difference, somebody not directly within your home or church, someone who needs to hear God's word. And we see that in the gospel reading today. Now, quick reminder of, of what's going on in that gospel reading. First off, there's absolutely no culturally responsible reason why Jesus and the disciples should be where they're at. Not a single one. Because look at this map for a second. So we have the Decapolis, right? So Galilee is up there on the northwest. That'd be the top left for those directionally challenged. Up there on the northwest side of things. And he goes to the opposite side of the sea. Down into that southeast area. An area where it is not Jewish, it's not anywhere close to that. It's absolutely Greek, it's absolutely pagan, it's absolutely everything unclean in the mind of an Orthodox Jew at that time. There's, there's nothing redemptive about that area for them to walk into. So as Jesus and the disciples are in the boat and they're heading southeast, get into the mindset of the disciple for just a second. As they're sitting in this boat, a huge storm comes up. They get, the storm is calmed as they run to Jesus for that. And then all of a sudden they can still see where they're headed. They can still see where they're going. And I'm sure there's a moment where they said, why are we going that way? Why are we headed that way, Jesus? There's no reason for us to go over there, Jesus. They're completely different. And by unclean, I, it's like, okay, growing up, some folks have had the opportunity to kind of go to the other side of the tracks, right? Maybe you've heard that phrase at all. It, it looks kind of like this, right? You've got one side where maybe the normal side of your life kind of happens on, and then all of a sudden, uh, you may go and there's a huge social divide between one side of the tracks and the other. My friend and I were leaving Orange County one time and we were driving up to Ventura and we were driving through Los Angeles County. He didn't prepare very well and we didn't have enough gas. So we had to stop and get gas. It was also lunchtime and we were hungry. So we had to pull off somewhere to get gas and to get food. Well, he had also taken a route that we hadn't taken before. And so this led to some very interesting situations. One, we had to pull off before we completely ran out of gas. So we did that, but we weren't familiar with the area at all. So we pull off the road, we pull off the freeway, we get into town, and it's, like I said, a completely different setting. We find a place where there's a gas station on one corner and there's a food stand on the other corner, a food spot, one we weren't familiar with, but that was fine. And so we pull off, we get gas, we go over to the food stand, we're making an order, we do it, and we start looking around, and we realize that we looked very different than everybody else that was around. And it's not that we felt unsafe or anything like that, it was just a moment of realization of the circles that we normally lived in were so different than what we were sitting in in that very moment. And so we, f we felt very out of place in that moment. We realized we were at a place we had never been before. And that's kind of what it, it felt like. So there's no good reason for Jesus and the disciples to head where they were. And by unclean, what I'm talking about is the fact that, one, it's a completely different culture that does everything opposite than what the Jews would say is okay. 
Like every bit of the Torah, every bit of the laws that they followed, every bit of everything they had set up for normal daily life was completely opposite down in the Decapolis. Okay? And specifically this region of the Gerasenes. Okay? So there's pig farming going on, which was used for sacrifices. It was used for all kinds of different stuff for monetary reasons and that kind of deal. So there's one unclean thing. We've got a man with an unclean spirit with demons. There's another unclean thing who's living in tombs. Okay, another unclean place for a good Jewish boy to go walk around in. And so there's all of this building up of what is going on, that it is a completely unclean area for Jesus and the disciples to be in. No good reason for them to be there. Except for one. There's one good reason, but it, it had nothing to do with the cultural divide. It had to do with a man. And I can't remember, is the next slide one of a man that's on there? No, see, completely opposite regions. That's what I was getting to with that one. Like day and night, completely opposite with what's going on with where they're at, Okay. But there still was this one man. Now, if you were to walk up on a dark alley and see that face, you might take a step back, right? Imagine getting onto the shoreline and having that face running at you. Except with demons and a voice that you've never heard before. And the one good reason for Jesus and the disciples to be there was this one lost man. This one lost soul, this one guy who didn't even have his own identity anymore, but an identity that had been given to him by these unclean spirits that had inhabited him. One reason for Jesus and the disciples to be there. And the disciples couldn't even see it at the very beginning, but this man runs up to Jesus and says, what do you have to do with me, son of the most high God? It's not your time yet. We know who you are. You shouldn't be here. This is our territory. This is our land. This is our area. These are our people that we are here to mess with, and you have no deal being here, Jesus. And there's an interesting word in there as the demons speak to Jesus, and they say, stop tormenting us. And Luke gives the reason, because Jesus has called the spirits out of the guy to send them back to the place that was created for them. And they said, don't send us back to the abyss. It's not just the deep part of the lake. That's not just a deep part of water. It was the place where when Satan and the demons fell after creation, fell during that time, God had prepared a place for them to go, and they didn't like it. They'd rather play around in God's creation and do what they could to rip God's creation away from the creator instead of go back to that place. They said, don't send us back, Jesus. Stop tormenting us, Jesus. But there's that guy. That guy that Jesus knows. He can see through everything that was going on in that unclean moment of all that uncleanness. And Jesus is standing there knowing that he needs something. He needs somebody to give him something because everybody had tried to bound and shackle him and control him and hold on to him and there was nothing that could break this control that these demons had. It, it's like when you see somebody in life and the balloons I think is a good one for us to see on this one. It's like when you see somebody in life that uh, 
you know there's probably some joy to be had somewhere in there, but they need to hear it. They need to hear it from your voice. They may even need to have some time spent from you with them. But oftentimes we may miss that opportunity. And we ourselves hold on to what is good and what they need and we'll hold on to it and maybe not even share what needs to be shared with them because we want to hold on to either God's word or his blessings or something for ourselves or sit within our circles and not feel uncomfortable. See, there's joy to be shared. There's a beautiful thing to be given to somebody who's needy of God's word. And we do all need God's word every single day. And there are those, though, that have never heard it, that have never heard that peace and that forgiveness that's there. And so as Jesus is there on that shoreline and that guy is standing there in front of him, he heals him. He heals him. And in that moment, you see a change in his face. And that man that was maybe looking down and scowling, is now sitting at the feet of Jesus and looking up at him, wanting to hear more, wanting to learn more, wanting to go away with him to another land. Because see, Jesus in that very moment had become like this big uncleanliness sponge and soaking up everything that was unclean about that man and taking it upon himself to pull it off of his shoulders and hand back something joyful. An identity given to the man that Jesus alone could give. A forgiveness and a redemption of that man that could come from nowhere else. As Luke's gospel continues on, there's more of this that happens. You see, at that moment in the garrisons where Jesus made things clean, they then go back to the other side of the sea. There's not even a single mention really, of what happens after that moment, except for the fact that Jesus tells the guy to go back home and talk about everything that God has done for him. And then Luke says, the man went back home and told him about everything that Jesus had done for him. And then Jesus and the disciples go back to the region that they're comfortable with. But then walking along in a hallway, a lady who was unclean, who was supposed to be outside the camp, who had snuck in because she knew of what she had heard of this healing that Jesus had. Touches his cloak and she's made clean. He's soaking up a little bit more of that uncleanness, that lostness. And then in that moment, another person comes to him and says, hey, my daughter is dying. Come and heal her. And he waits. And then servants of that guy come to him and say, hey, no longer bothering the teacher anymore. Your daughter is not just sick anymore. She's dead. So Jesus goes, doesn't, walks into another unclean space and sits with a dead body in front of him and brings her back to life. Says, little girl, get up. Taking more of that uncleanness away and handing over life. And that's what he does every single moment of every single day as we sit at his feet in the same way as that guy in the garrisons did and then was sent off, we sit at his feet when we hear his word 
And we sit at his feet in those moments and Jesus comes through his word and through his sacrament to bring you forgiveness. The unclean pieces in life are cleaned up. And we struggle with it because every single day we muddy clean things back up and Jesus continues to come in and take them into his hands. To take your unclean things into his hands and lay them on the cross. And as he walked through those regions, as he walked through those areas, as he walked through all of those unclean times to take all of that uncleanness upon himself, all the things that all the other people were dealing with, he took them upon his shoulders to offer forgiveness. And he takes that uncleanness from your life, the sin that separates you from God, and he takes it upon his shoulders and lays it at the cross. His clean hands becoming dirty, for you. And in this we see what it looks like to witness to others. To witness to those that need to hear of that love. To witness to those who need to hear of God's word. Who are burdened and weighed down by the unclean things. And we will never fully separate ourselves from unclean things. We walk into them in thought, word, and deed as we talked about in the confessions. The things that we do and the things that we don't even know that we do. As it says in the words, the things done and the things left undone. And we lay those before God and we receive the forgiveness that he brings to us through Christ. And that beautiful gift of cleanliness, of cleanness, is what is given so that in eternity we sit with him. Because the one lost guy that Jesus sent back in the garrisons, that one lost guy shared what Jesus had done with him to everybody else that was in that region. And the next time Jesus was in that region, he was feeding 4,000 people that had come to hear his word, that had come to receive the gifts that he alone could give because one guy talked and one guy was forgiven and made clean. And so we pray for that forgiveness each day and we pray for that strength given by God's Spirit to speak those same things. And as overwhelming as the task may seem, one person, strengthened by God, can do a whole, whole lot. We thank God for the strength that he gives and the forgiveness he brings through his son Jesus. In his name, amen. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for making us clean through all that Jesus has done for us and continues to do each day. As you call us unto yourself and send us out to speak the truth of your word to all those that need to hear it. You call us into situations each day, each moment, through our vocations and through our uh, walks of life so that all would hear your word and come to the knowledge of the truth of you, the truth that you love your creation, that you have forgiven your creation, and that you continually work to bring your creation back to you so that you can be with it for eternity. Be with us this day as we continue to praise you and all the gifts that you give. In your son Jesus' name, amen.